welcome to another inspirational message from Brave Church UK. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open up at the book of Ephesians. We started a series last week um, all about the book of Ephesians. We're journeying our way through and as a church we've not set a timeline for this. So, uh, so if we don't get done by Christmas with the book, we'll continue it in the new year. But uh, we're taking our time looking through this book. And, and our prayer is, our hope is that not just would we uh, leave each week thinking that we've got a bit more knowledge and we know a little bit more about God and the scriptures and all that kind of stuff, but actually we would apply it to our lives and, and see some change within us. And so in our connect groups, we're going a little bit deeper and uh, we're asking further questions of, of the text and of the book of Ephesians. So I want to encourage you, if, if you're really serious about your own personal growth and you discovering more about God's Word and who God is. I want to ask you to consider signing up for a Connect group and get involved in that. They are absolutely amazing. And um, I don't know about you, um, my first experience of a Pentecostal church was at 17 years old. I'd never been to one previously. A Pentecostal church, I mean a church that is focused and, and emphasizes the role and function of the Holy Spirit in the life of church and in the life of a believer. For some of you thinking, well, I didn't know there were different kinds of churches, but that was my first experience. At 17 years old, I'd been in churches before, and uh, I'd been in, in churches that were, that were quite middle class. I'd been in churches that were quite reserved and refined. And at 17 years old, I didn't know Jesus yet, and, and I walked into a church, and it freaked me out. Freaked me out. I remember walking in, and the music started... And people in this church, it was different to a, a church, any church I'd been to, people in this church, they danced, which is a little bit weird, isn't it? I think this isn't a disco, this isn't a party, this, what, what's going on? They, they danced. They were expressive. They were, they were passionate. That's not something, I don't know about you, that's not something I associated with Christians, that they would be passionate. I'm stood in this service, and, and I'd, I'd been brought there under false pretenses, and I was, I'd attended this church, and I was still there with my hands in my pockets. And I looked around me, and people were raising their hands in worship. And all I could think of was, I hope you showered this morning for the good of the person next to you. Please, if there is a God, please use deodorant. And, and I'm in this church, and, and the, preach, the preach was delivered, and the, they stood up and, and opened up the Scriptures. And I'd seen, I'd seen priests and vicars and pastors before open up the Bible, but there was something different about that morning. Like literally, it, it meant something what was being said. It wasn't just someone telling a story, sharing a few verses and a few ideas, and we all go away feeling better about ourselves because we've done our duty and we've ticked that off the list and we've attended church. And we feel spiritual. But actually it hit me right in the heart. And it was as if there was a room full of people. It was as if God was speaking directly to me that day. I remember in the worship afterwards. We're in the worship service. And, uh, and I'm looking around. I know God's speaking to me. I don't have a relationship with it yet. But I know he's real because of what's taking place in this service. And it's as, as, if, as if God had his finger on me that day. And I remember stood there and I'm fighting it saying, no God, I'm not going to come to you. Because that would sh show weakness. So I remember stood there and, and literally as we stood in this Pentecostal church and, and they're vibrant and they're dancing and I'm feeling awkward. There's a woman behind me has, has a word. Literally a message that she thinks is from God. And she stood behind me and she starts to speak out this word. And she described my life as she stood behind me. 
And I'm thinking, this is, I've never been to a church like this before. I've never been to a church where I can sense God, feel God, know that God's involved in some way with what's taking place. And that day, I remember as, as they made the altar call, as they said, right, okay, if you, if you feel like God's speaking to you and leading you today, I want you to leave your seat, get up, and I want you to come down to the front. Now, a 17-year-old, 17-year-old boy who was just trying to figure out his dysfunction in life and trying to work it all out, I remember thinking, I could never do that. And it was almost as if that day, it made, God made it so clear to me, this is your time. This is your time. And I remember walking out from my, from my seat and tears started to flow down my face. I remember coming to the front. I had no clue what was happening. All I knew that God was real and he was doing something in me. And, and it was my first experience, I'd say, of the Holy Spirit. It was my first experience. You see, I, I'd, I'd grown up in church. My family had taken me to church. And I knew who God the Father was. This all-loving, all-powerful Father God who's creator of all things. I was happy with that idea. I knew who Jesus was. I knew that he was, he was God in fleshly form, the son of God who died for the sins of the world, my sin as well as yours. And to some degree, even though I didn't have relationship with him, I was fine with that. But that, that day introduced me to a third person in the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And I found that God wasn't just distant father watching the world from a distance to see how things played out. I realized that God wasn't just son who came to the world, came to us even when we were far from him. But I realized that there was, there was Holy Spirit, the God who wants to walk with us, journey with us, and is at work in our lives even before we come into knowledge of who God is. And as we approach the, the book of Ephesians especially in this, this first part of chapter one, and we start to read through some of the prayer that, that Paul prays over the church, he makes it really clear that there are three persons in the Godhead. One God, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the book of Ephesians chapter one, it, it starts off with the, the greetings that we looked at last week. If you missed that, you can pick it up on the podcast. But then from verses three to 14, it's the first of two doxologies that Paul uses in chapter 1 of Ephesians. A doxology is simply this. It's a hymn. It's a poem. In fact, it's, it's quite unique, actually, but that, that he writes this. And this book would have been read in a public gathering to the church like this. And it would have formed part of their worship. That this is a prayer, a hymn, a poem of worship to God. And it's broke down into three parts, the, the first prayer that we're going to look at from verses 3 to 14. The first part focuses on God the Father. The second part focuses on God the Son. And the third, third part focuses on God the Holy Spirit. And I want to, I want to present to you this, this prayer this morning. But I want to suggest that in our lives as Christ followers, all three are at work. You don't pick one or two, but all three of them want to be at work in our lives. And my question for us this morning, are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? Let's look at the first part of this hymn. Each of one of these three sections is, is broke down into, it ends with this phrase, to the praise of the glory. 
in verse 6, verse 12, and 14. So the three sections are very distinct. They're separated by that kind of uh, affirmation to the praise of his glory. And the first part, focusing on God the Father, let's read it together. Starting at, at, at verse 3, reading to, to verse 6. It says this, Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us into the adoption of sons of, Christ, of Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Very poetic, isn't it? Very distinct. It's rich in meaning. It's rich in theology. It's, it's deep. And let, I want to unpack it just a little bit. In the first verse that we read, verse 3, there are three different blessings that Paul tells us are ours or in context to God. And I'm going to use uh, different people to illustrate these blessings this morning. So I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to ask Justin, why don't you give Justin a round of applause? He steps on stage. <laughs> Didn't know he was going to do this. So the first, the first blessing is, uh, <laughs> the first blessing, he says, he says, blessed be God the Father. Blessed be God the Father. Now, here's what Paul does. Paul uses in one verse, he says, blessed be God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he has given us blessings. And then he says they are spiritual blessings. So three different types of blessing. And here's what he does. He uses three different words to describe three different kinds of blessing. Which when we read it in English, we don't kind of grasp, do we? But actually in the Greek, the first word that he uses is, is this word called eugelitos which means someone who is worthy of speaking well of. Okay? So he says, blessed be God the Father, but what he's saying is, and, and, and some translations say, praise be God the Father. What he's saying is, blessed be God the Father. You represent the Father this morning, Justin. I knew you was more spiritual than you thought. Yeah. <laughs> it says, blessed be God the Father. And what he's saying is, he's worthy of your blessing and he's worthy of your praise because he's worthy of speaking well of. Does that make sense? So here's what he's not saying. He's not saying, bless God if you feel like it. He's not saying, worship God if it seems right with you today. And your world, is, it seems like it's going well. He says, no, we bless God because of this foundational truth that he's worthy of our blessing, worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise because of his character and his nature. Because he is loving and he is faithful. I chose Justin today. I know Justin. Justin is my brother-in-law. I've known Justin for a long time. Here are the things that I know about Justin. I know Justin is consistent. I know that Justin is faithful. This might be news to you today, <laughs> Justin. I know he's faithful. I know that Justin's dependable. I know that if Justin says he'll do something, he'll do it. That's what I know about Justin. So I could say... This morning, blessed be Justin, because I'm saying it depend, based on what I know about who he is. Not on, about how I feel, not about what's going on in my world. Blessed be him, because his character is worthy of praise. That's the same thing Paul is saying about God. Blessed be the Father. Because we know the foundational truth of Scripture is that He is 
The Father who is faithful, who is consistent, who is loving, who does what He'll say He'll do. That's why we bless Him. That's why we bless Him. So we choose today, when we come into this contact, uh, context, I know there might be all kinds of stuff going on in your world, and it's, sometimes it can get really chaotic and muddy when you come into an environment like this because you're trying to push past that but you're just not sure if you can embrace him in worship well you can not because of what's going on in your world but because of who he is blessed be God the father he then says that that he's he's given us blessings he says blessed be God the father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us who has blessed us. The second term for, for blessing, I'm going to use someone to illustrate this. I'm going to invite Ben Utley up to the stage this morning. Why don't you give Ben a round of applause really quickly. Awesome. The, the second word that he uses is, is a Greek word, and it's eugeo, which means it's an act of blessing. It's to act on someone's behalf, and it relates to something that's already been done. So in other words, we can bless, stand away, just a little bit apart from him this morning. We can bless God the Father because he's worthy, his character and his nature is worthy of blessing. He's blessed us, speaks of something that's already happened and already, already taken place. In other words, he wants the, the Christians in Ephesus and us to understand that we're not waiting for God's blessing. He's already blessed us. In the person and the work of Jesus, it's something that's already taken place. It's already happened. I don't know what your prayer life's like. Maybe you're praying for stuff and you're asking for God to bless you. Well, your state as a Christ follower is blessed. If God never did anything else for you, if he never answered another prayer, he's already blessed you in sending his son. It's, it's free for you to receive the gift of Jesus, the gift of grace, but it costs God everything. He's already blessed you. I can ask, ask Ben to come up here this morning because every mo- Sunday morning when I walk into church, uh, he says this, want a brew? <laughs> Which in English translates, would you like a brew? <laughs> and every, every Sunday morning, he makes me a cup of coffee and he hands it to me. So every Sunday when I stand up here, Ben has already blessed me. It's something that was in the past that took place that I've benefited from. He has blessed us because in the course of history, he sent his son into this world to take on your sin and my sin and to to, to make a way for us to come into a relationship with God by being our atoning sacrifice. He has, not will, he has blessed us. Isn't one verse in Scripture rich? Blessed be God the Father because he's worthy of our praise. Because he's blessed us. He already has. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm blessed. You might not feel like it. You might be looking for more. But you are blessed. Then he says this. He says he's blessed us. He's blessed us with spiritual Blessings. Spiritual blessings. Why don't you give Tony Creech a round of applause? He comes up here really quickly this morning. Go on, Tony. He looks so excited about that. So excited. 
He says he's blessed us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The, the Greek word that he used is eulogia. The spiritual blessing, it's a favor or gift. It's a benefit or a spiritual advantage. That sounds good, doesn't it? He's blessed us with spiritual blessings, with a spiritual advantage. When you know Jesus, you have a spiritual advantage in life. I like that. In fact, I, I like the thought of getting up every day and declaring over my own life. Today, Sam, you have a spiritual advantage. I'll take any advantage I can get. I don't know about you. I'll take it. I got a spiritual advantage. Uh, and the word that he's used, spiritual, it indicates the function and the role of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's a gift, it's a spiritual advantage which is communicated to us by the Holy Spirit. Notice what he says. He doesn't say that he's blessed you with all kinds of material blessings. He says he's blessed you with spiritual blessings. In the heavenly realm. So we're not waiting to see if God will bless us with all kinds of stuff. All that's nice and good. But the blessing that, that Paul's talking about here to the Ephesians. Who live in a prosperous society. And if they're not careful their life can be based on consumerism and materialism. And he says no the blessing God's given you. Isn't the fact you have a roof over your head and a wife in your house and kids and a job to, to have, all those things are good. But he said the real blessings are spiritual blessings, which have been communicated to you by the Holy Spirit. I asked Tony to come up because, you know, every week, here's what Tony will do. Every week after service has taken place, he'll come up to the front and he'll grab someone, whether it's those who have preached or the worship team, and he'll say, thank you today. Here's, here's what I felt God said to me today. Here's what, here's what happened today as you led worship. I know that's, that's partly because Tony has, has that kind of positive disposition. But here's what I believe. I believe partly because that's a spiritual gift. The Bible talks about the gift of encouragement being a spiritual gift. And I think that that's a gift communicated by the, the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual blessing. So blessed be God the Father because he's worthy of praise. His character and his nature is worthy of it. He has blessed us. It's something that's already taken place. So maybe I don't know whether you're scratching around trying to look for God's blessing. It's already happened. It's like the man, you know, who stood with his glasses on his head asking everyone in the room, does anyone know where my glasses are? You already have them. And I think sometimes we spend our lives looking for things we already have. God, show me that you love me. Show me that I've got your favor. Bless me. Well, when I sent Jesus, I did. I blessed you. And he's blessed us with spiritual blessings. And literally a touch from the Holy Spirit. One verse in Ephesians chapter 3 shows us that all three persons of the Holy Spirit are present and at work in what God has already done in this world and what he wants to do in your life. And here's what we do. We take the Son, Jesus, and we take the Father, and we say, well, we'll hang out with you two. But you're not invited. <laughs> Holy Spirit, you can't come. Because you're a little bit mysterious. Hopefully this isn't a pattern of your life, Tony. <laughs> Bit late, yeah. That's what we say. And what Paul says, all three of them come as a package. 
and all three of them are involved in the blessing of God over your life. And you've got to receive and accept all three. Why don't you give them a round of applause they take the seats this morning. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here's what Spurgeon says. He says, we are not sitting here and groaning and crying and fretting and worrying and questioning our own salvation. He has blessed us and therefore we will bless him. If you think little of what God has done for you, you will do very little for him. But if you have a great notion of his great mercy to you, you'll be greatly grateful to your gracious God. He's blessed us with everything that we need. Straight away we discover that God is three. God is three parts, one God. It goes further in those verses that we read together. It lets us know the role and the function of the, the Father. It tells us that, that God has adopted us into his family. Father God has adopted us. In fact, Paul's conveying a Roman idea here of adoption. See, in the Roman world, the idea of adoption was strong. You didn't just take on the name of the family that you were joining, but you had the rights of a legitimate son. In fact, in the eyes of the law, you were a new person. And if, you, if you'd incurred any debts in the previous family you were a part of, when you were adopted into a Roman family, all debts were cancelled. It was as if the, the first family that you had was stricken from record. Here's what Paul's saying. That God the Father has adopted each and every one of us. Your debt has been cancelled and you are made new. That's a good place to say amen. And it's available for each and every one of us. The second portion of, of the scripture focuses on the work of Jesus himself. Verse 7 says this, In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us, in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. I like that phrase, don't you? He's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to his purpose who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. It, says, it tells us in the first section that God the Father is worthy of praise and that all three persons of the Godhead are present and active and at work in your blessed life. But then he says, here's what the blessings are in Christ. The first blessing that Christ gives you is, is, is that literally he's redeemed us through his blood. He's redeemed us through his blood. He redeemed us not through his teaching. He redeemed us not through his example. Paul says he redeemed us by his blood. In other words, when he hung on the cross and the nails stung his hands and his feet and his blood poured out. He was God's sacrifice for you and me. 
that he's redeemed us. That the only way you can come into contact with the grace of God is through the sacrifice and action on the cross of Jesus. So this isn't just, well, yeah, I like some of the things Jesus has to say. And yeah, maybe he was a prophet from God. And yeah, I'll take and leave some of that stuff. That the, the Godhead stuff, I'm not that, I can't figure it out, so I'll reject that. Paul says the only way you have been redeemed is by the blood of Jesus. Redemption means this, to pay the price. He's paid the price for you. Paid the price. Paid the price. It's done. Taken place. So one of the blessings is redeemed us. The second blessing is this. We have forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. Don't know about you. That's a pretty good blessing. You, knew what, you know who you've, you, you are. You know where you've been. You know what you've done. And the gift, the blessing of God in your life is that he would choose to cancel out your debt, forgive you of sin. He chose to do that for you and me. That he's given you the gift of his grace. That's a pretty big blessing. If he doesn't buy me a new car, at least he died for me. Come on, you know how, how fickle we are. If he doesn't give me a bigger house, well, I suppose... At least, he died for me. Come on, it's the, greatest, it's the greatest thing he could have done. And you might not feel it this morning, but he did it for you and for me so that we could be redeemed and forgiven. And here's the, the third blessing, that we would have knowledge of his will. It's like you've been given insider information. When you come into relationship with God, it's like you're given a pass and ushered behind the curtain and you're given backstage access into what God has been doing throughout the course of history. That actually this life and this world is, is, is actually submitted to the will of God. That there's a source, a person outside of time Time is not linear, and we're going to look at that a little bit more probably in our connect groups in this next cycle. That time is not linear for God. He's outside of time. And he's not sat there like the puppet master, kind of moving things in. But he has a plan and a purpose for you and for me and for this world. And when you come into contact with him, here's a spiritual blessing. You can see clearly. You see what matters and what doesn't. Because he has a plan, and his will has been made known to you. And I'd, I'd suggest that a part of, of being a follower of Jesus is discovering more and more what God's will for his church, his bride, is in this world. To be his hands and to be his feet. The blessing's not material. Spurgeon says, he says, a new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to have the best earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being an heir of a great, the greatest nobleman. To have God as our portion is blessed, infinitely more blessed to us than our own broad acres of land. God hath blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are the rarest, the richest, and the most enduring of all blessings. And they are priceless in value. And he's given them 
to us. The third section, just as we finish, band, if you want to come, we're going to get ready to finish. The third section of this doxology that Paul presents to us, this poem, this hymn, as he writes it, he says this, it says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Paul says this, he says it in one section of a poem in the opening part of Ephesians chapter 1. He says, all persons of the Godhead are at work in blessing your life. And then he says, here are their functions. God's adopted us, made a way, planned it to be so. Jesus gives these blessings to us through what he's done. And he says, and now the Holy Spirit is a guarantee and a seal for you. A seal for you. Paul, Paul as, he's, as he's writing this, it flips from God's will to your choice. It says, when you believed in God, you were given the seal. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say that you're given the gift and the seal and the sign of God before you chose. He says that the seal was given to you after you chose. Here's what we do. I know that I did this. I know that you probably do that. Some of you maybe are on the edge trying to figure this Christianity thing out, trying to figure out if Jesus is real, God exists, all that kind of stuff. Here's what we say to God. God, you move, then I'll move. God, you give me a sign and then I'll act. True? Here's what Paul says. The sign and the seal comes after you believe. That you believe, you trust. In fact, if you wait for a sign until you trust, what you're saying is God is not worthy of your trust. What you're saying is, no, don't be blessed, God the Father. But when you decide to believe, when God's pulling on your heartstrings, when God's moving on the inside of you and He's drawing you and you begin to see clearly that He's true and He's real and that He exists and that He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when you step forward, Paul says, when you give Him your trust because He's worthy of it, His character is worthy of your trust. Here's what happens. The sign and the seal is given to you, the Holy Spirit. So if you sat, well, I'm just waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting till God, I'm waiting for a sign. That's not the way it works. The scripture says, it says this, draw near to God and He what? Will draw near to you. You move first. God's already blessed you in sending His Son. He's acted, guess what He's waiting for now? You to act. You to trust. And when you trust, you are given a sign. You are given a seal. Gabriel says this. He says, the seal is therefore the Holy Spirit himself. And his presence in the believer denotes ownership and security. It's the mark that you are owned by God. Here's what happens in the miracle of salvation. When you step forward and you trust in, in God and accept what Jesus has done, 
He puts his Holy Spirit on the inside of you to transform you from the inside out. Trying to be the follower of Jesus that the scriptures ask us to be without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is ludicrous. And it'll lead you to a place where you punish yourself because you don't ever live up to the standard that you know God has called you to. But He doesn't call you to live a life that He doesn't empower you to live if you'll receive His Spirit. If you'll receive His Spirit. Usually when an, an artist makes a, a piece of artwork, you can tell I'm very arty with the way I phrase that, can't you? When they paint a painting or when they make a piece of pottery, here's what they'll do. They'll put their signature on that piece of art, whether it's the bottom corner, it's on the back of it. If they make a, a piece of, of, of pottery, 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 they make a piece of pottery, what they'll do is there's, while it's still wet, they will put a seal, a mark on that thing. It's on the outside. It's a mark to show this thing was created by this person. There's an artist that I'm sure most of you are aware of, Banksy, who's a street artist. And Banksy literally paints these amazing, amazing pictures. And a few years ago, here's what Banksy did. Banksy stopped signing his artwork. So, so now there's, there's always conversation about, is it a real Banksy, is it not? And they have a specific criteria that they look for in the way that Banksy paints to certify whether it's real or whether it's fake. That's a little bit like what the Holy Spirit does in your life. This isn't a mark externally. This isn't a fish sticker on your car. This isn't a cross round your neck. This isn't a Bible under your arm on the, way, on the way to prayer meeting, praise God. This is a seal on the inside of you. That your life would show the evidence and markers of the Holy Spirit, the God at work, not externally, but internally. How do you know if something's counterfeit or real? by the representation of God that it shows because of the power of God at work within one's life. Here's what Paul says. Blessed be God the Father because He's adopted us. He's blessed us. He sent Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice has redeemed us, forgiven us of sin and let us know His will. And now when you step forward and trust in Him, you receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit works in your heart and in your life that whatever season that you walk through, you could still exhibit the nature and the character of God, not based upon what you could do, but based upon a gift that was communicated, given to you from God, spiritual blessing. Paul, if you look at the book of Acts, when he, when he first goes to Ephesus, which is the place that Paul's writing this book to, when he first goes to Ephesus, he meets some disciples, some followers of God. And he has this question for them, if you read it in the book of Acts. He says, when you, when you came into relationship with God, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And these first believers in Ephesus, they say, no. We only received the baptism of John, which was a baptism of repentance, turning to God. Here's what Paul does. He says, let's pray for you. 
He says, we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to pray for you. That you would what? Receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here's what he knows for the church in Ephesus. He knows that if they're going to shine God's light in the the community that they're in, if they're going to be God's representatives to the world, they need more than a baptism of repentance. They need more to to be forgiven of sin. But they need a touch from heaven that will empower them to be Christ's representative in this world. So my question for you this morning is, when you believed, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Did you take God the Father? Did you accept God the Son and exclude the Holy Spirit? Paul says all three are intertwined and beautifully outwork the will of God in your life. I don't know about you. If these are God's gifts and God's blessings, I want them all. I want God at work on the inside of me. That's the end of this week's podcast. We hope that it inspired you. For any more information, visit braidchurch.co.uk.